Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And this is episode number 109. Aaron, uh, you might want to double check your mic settings there, buddy, but uh, why don't you do that and I will uh, kick off this episode uh, letting everybody know that uh, we love to have you here, love to have you in the comments. And if you go ahead, have any questions that you want to ask us, you may go ahead and do that in that comment section there. Um, don't forget also, we've got super chat and we've got a Venmo at the fin factor. If you are interested in supporting the show in that way, also the finfactor.com, we have shirts, hats, stickers, and all those types of things, uh, more than, uh, the subscribing, which of course you are subscribed because you're here. Thank you so much. But more than subscribing, if you could please be sure to share us out, be it, uh, on a retweet or, uh, Facebook or whatever social media posts that you have. Uh, let your friends and family know about us. Your other Sharks fans know about us. If you're enjoying us, uh, perhaps they would as well. So, Aaron, are we good to go now? You tell me. Can you hear me now? Yeah, uh, loud and clear now. You, you do not sound like Thanks. you're talking in a tin can, my friend. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I got tell you what, this, uh, I've gotten very good at this on-the-fly uh, stuff. So, <laughs> Hashtag bring Marshall back. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew it was a matter of time. That was... Uh... That was pretty quick. I oh, guess that's, that's from Jason. That's not from... Uh, that is from Jason, yes. That is Super yeah. Producer Jason. That's not the people in the chat. Uh, they haven't had a chance yet. There's a little bit of a delay, so I'm sure we'll get some uh, Bring Marshall back <laughs> comments. <I'm sure. laughs> this intro slaps. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, <laughs> Kellen, appreciate that. Uh, Paul should buy him one for Christmas. What, the microphone? I think I think Kellen's talking about the music, not, not our intro. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, I think he buys buy something for Christmas. Uh, maybe a microphone. I don't know. He's got a good microphone. He's got the same one I've got. Regardless, we're here to talk about the Sharks. Let's do that. So uh, I was really looking forward to talking about tonight's games. I was going to skip over the first one, but now I'm not as excited. And we'll go back and we'll talk about the first one again. <laughs> so uh, Monday, March 15th, uh, was a 2-1 loss against the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Uh, this one was a very, uh, it was a battle of the goaltending, we'll say. Okay, so Devin Dubnik. 34 saves on 36 shots. He stood tall. He played a phenomenal game, did a great job. Uh, and then you've got Marc-Andre Fleury. I think it was 23 saves on 24 shots. So, um, you know, the, both goaltenders played very, very well in this game. Um, and there was there was just a lot of, of high-quality chances. There were a lot of really big saves. I think uh, Dominic at the end uh, in a post-game interview had said that uh, I think they set the record for the most pad stacks uh, saves in a single game <laughs> between him and Flurry, so uh, just a really exciting stuff in net. It was really really cool to see. Uh, any anything you wanted to say about the goaltending here? Uh, yeah, I think Flurry is just a very aggressive goalie, and and I, I mean I hate to say that he got lucky on some stuff, but uh, he did kind of get lucky. But you kind of create your own luck at the same time. So not not to take any credit away from him, he is a a fantastic goalie um one that keeps that you know definitely stands out as that poke check on Kane very late in the game that would have tied it um I just I think uh I don't know he didn't have as many saves as Dubnik Dubnik definitely had a lot more work but Dubnik in his own right had just as many uh robs if you will and I forget who it was it was it Marcia so that he was talking to or yeah. uh yeah it was yeah. Marcia so right they're yeah, kind yeah. of chirping back and forth not in a bad way just kind of Marcia was a little upset that that he missed a couple golden chances because Dubnik came up with some huge saves. So um, going back to what I had said, what, the beginning of the season that I said I think Dubnik's going to eventually take over as a starter from Jones? Because I still think, well, obviously I'm sure everyone thinks this now, that Dubnik is the better goalie. Just took him a while to kind of get on a roll, but uh, what a fantastic game by him. It's really unfortunate that he only got one goal in support um, you're not going to win many games, if any, with only one goal and support from your offense. So, um, unfortunate for him to get the loss in this in this game. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you, you talked about uh, Marshall so just a few seconds uh, ago there, and uh, basically Dubnik stoning him a few times. It was a couple of chances in a row that Marshall had, and uh, he was none too happy. Uh, about about Devin Dubnik uh, doing that to him. So I noticed there was a little bit of uh, talking back and forth, as you had mentioned there. And actually, I got to ask Devin Dubnik about this in the post-game interview, and we have a clip of that. So, uh, Super Producer Jason, go ahead and roll that clip. Hey, Devin. Um, I've gotten a little better at reading lips, and it seems like Marshall so was rather impressed with a couple of the consecutive saves that you made on him there. Uh, can you share a little bit about that exchange? <laughs> yeah, he just told me. He just said that's enough. He was He was tired of it. 
I had uh, a few good ones, so he said, just told me that was enough, no more. So, um, obviously, not going to listen to that, but, uh, you know, those are the fun parts of, of playing and, uh, and, and competing against the other guys. Does that happen often for a, a goaltender? I know there's a lot of talk going back and forth between players, but do opposing players talk to goalies? It seems like that's kind of a, a no-no. Uh, it depends. Um, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind talking to the guys. And, you know, I played played uh, a lot of games and a lot of different teams and different you know stuff. So you so you get to know a lot of guys around the league. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed out there, uh, and so I don't mind uh, you know having some back and forth um, with the other guys. But I'm sure if there's, I'm sure I'm sure that's not everybody. I mean, some guys don't don't uh, want to be like that or be a little more dialed in, but that, that kind of keeps me relaxed and, and, and makes it fun for me. Yeah. So, uh, Marsh, so telling him, Hey man, knock it off. Uh, I just thought that was really funny. Um, cause yeah, I can see him. I can definitely see him uh, saying like, are you kidding me? Uh, I was reading his lips there. So, uh, just, just really interesting. Uh, but yeah, beyond the, uh, the goaltending, there was uh, some good information here on uh, even strength. The Sharks actually outchanced Vegas in the first period there, and uh, Vegas poured on the pressure more in the second period. So uh, the Sharks actually came out nice and strong, and then that second period, uh, it was like I think 16 to 4 shots on goal, and there were no goals against, though. So um, they, they really did pour on the pressure in that period, and uh, everything else was fairly even, I would say, in the third period there. It's kind of how I saw the game. Um, so even strength, it looked like the Sharks actually, again, they did okay in the first. They got just blasted in the second, and then everything kind of uh, evened out in the third period there. Uh, the difference really, though, was in the special teams. Um, I, I, like I said, with even strength, it, it kind of balanced out between the first and second, and the third was even. So like with, with special teams, though, uh, Vegas scoring on their first shot on their first power play, uh, and they were uh, they, the Vegas shut down each ensuing power play. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a difference between the special teams there. It's something that the Sharks definitely need to work on. They're not controlling the puck very well in their own zone for the most part. They haven't had a chance really, or not chance, but they haven't been able to break it across the blue line. Something I've been talking about for a very long time with this team. They just, uh, I don't know, when they practice, they seem to practice set up in the zone already. They don't practice getting into the zone. I think that hurts them. Um, so, uh, I don't know, Aaron, what other things did you see here that is the, the big difference between this game? I mean, really, this game could have gone either way, I feel like. Um, I think that one of the turning points was at the very end of the second period, but last minute or so, the Sharks were really pressing Vegas, and they almost got a, They had a couple good chances, almost got a goal. Um, Hurdle was taken out a couple times. I don't know if you remember this. He was taken out, and uh, at the end of the period, he was giving it to both refs. He was yelling at both of them, like, what the heck, man? What am I going to have to do to get a power play here? Um, and I agree 100%. I mean, I don't like to blame referees for losses. The, there's there was a whole another 20 minutes to play there. But if the Sharks got a power play off of that play to start the third period – what happened in the start of the third period? Vegas came out and scored right away. That wouldn't have happened. Now, who knows if it happened or not because maybe they would have gotten a shorthanded goal against the Sharks on the same power play. But still, you never know. And I feel like the the, the refs were doing no favors. Um, I feel like they were calling ticky-tacky plays against the Sharks and they weren't con- uh, calling the same kind of stuff. And again, people love to blame the referees for losses, which is not what I'm doing. I would want consistent refereeing. If you're going to call a ticky-tacky hold or trip or something, uh, you might as well, you need to call it both ways, and that's not what they were doing in that game. Um, I felt like in comparison to that game and tonight's game, I thought the refs did a better job and kind of caught Vegas off guard, kind of like, oh, wow, you called that against me? You know, that kind of reaction. Like, wow. So, um, I don't know. I, I... Again, they had the whole third period. They could have come back and scored and at least tied the game, but they couldn't They couldn't solve Flurry in that game. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to call out Sonic Tonic here at $1.99 in the Super Chat. Thank you, Sonic Tonic. He says, hold me with a uh, cry face emoji. I'm guessing that's from uh, because of tonight's game, not because of the ones we're talking about right now. So uh, if you're ready to move on, Aaron, I am too. Yep. Let's do that. So tonight, uh, Wednesday, March 17th, 5-4 loss, unfortunately. The first period just sloppy, in my opinion. Uh, the Sharks were racking up penalties. Uh, they somehow managed to get out of the period just down one nothing. Uh, they should have been down probably 3-4-0 uh, in that period. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. The the way that it just kind of shakes out, again, they just did not look good at all. Now, you had a problem with uh, Timo Meyer specifically. You want to talk about that one real quick? Sure. I thought that first – the very first goal that Vegas gave up, um, I kind of watched, I went back and watched that whole sequence 
And I kind of like to see what happens, like how is a goal scored? Is it some creativity? Was it like a turnover? In this case, it was a couple turnovers and a couple chances the Sharks could have cleared the zone, but Vegas held it in. And to me, Timo was kind of dogging it a couple times. He could have gotten the puck. He wasn't in the right positioning. Um, and then when the goal was eventually scored, I think it was Shea Theodore shot it from the point, um, he kind of turned backwards and didn't really face the shot. I felt like if he faced the shot, he could have at least gotten some a piece of it, right, to block it. And he all he did was screen Dubnik, and the puck goes by him and Dubnik. So I thought it was a really sloppy kind of uh, whole shift, I guess. The whole shift just didn't look very good from him. Um, he did come back later and, and play better and, and kind of redeem himself, but that one just seemed, I don't know, it seemed like they were getting off on the wrong foot. And, of course, Vegas goes up one nothing. <laughs> I just I wasn't happy about his defensive game, team defense there, which is why he's supposed to be covering the point. And guess what? They scored from the point. Bad things happen to good people. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, first period goes by now. Second period, the Sharks come roaring back. Uh, it was a lot of urgency, a lot of pressure. I thought they did a really good job keeping their legs moving for the most part um, and just keeping the pressure on. So uh, there were results because of that, right? So you've got goals by Nieto, Ferraro, and LeBanc on this period. Now the Nieto goal was a one-timer on a pass by Timo. Timo does a phenomenal job protecting the puck, right? He's uh looks like he's going back up towards the point stops, comes back. And then he looks up and he sees uh, Matt Nieto there. He fires the puck in there and Nieto does this nice little tip. I think it was like a, like a backhand uh, tip, like deflection, right? So uh, mm-hmm. kind of goes up and over the shoulder, Mark Andre Fleury and the Sharks get a goal. And then uh, not too long after that, again, same period, Mario Ferraro uh, pinches in and he goes in deep, so deep that he's behind the net. Uh, there's a shot on goal that happens and he's still behind the net. He comes around, picks it up, wraps the puck. And I mean, the, the Sully afterwards, I mean, he was, he was just pumping it, uh, pumping his fist. He was just really excited about it. It was the first of the season, I believe. So, uh, yeah, Mario Ferraro, uh, getting his goal and everything. It was really cool to see because the guy deserves it. He's been working really hard, you know, all season long. He's been a guy that I've loved watching the entire time as well. And, you know, he just, again, for me, he just deserved this goal. And even uh, Randy Hahn was saying, oh, it's Couture. No, wait, it's it's Ferraro. I mean, the guy looked like it was Logan Couture. He was out there uh, moving and grooving. So uh, very proud of him, very happy for him. And uh, like I said, the guy absolutely deserves it. Not every day you see a wraparound goal from a defenseman, uh, especially his first goal. So there you go on that one. And LeBanc had a one-time goal on a pass by Kane. Kane again. Uh, getting the puck uh, deep in the, in by the net there and just kind of grabs the puck, whips around, fires it into LeBanc, who one times it in. And everything that these these goals have in common is these high-danger areas, right? There was the wraparound. There were the two one-timers that were basically in the paint. And it's like, do you sense, like, a theme here? <laughs> like, get to the net, right? Just go to the net with this, uh, and, and good things will happen. And it seems like that's a lot of the times we're talking about where we want the Sharks, especially, like, guys like Timo and, like, Hurdle, drive the net, use your body. And uh, a lot of times they're trying to play the perimeter. So uh, in this case, the second period, three goals, all of which came from those high danger scoring areas. And all of them came from just throwing the puck at the net, hard work and, and converging on the net. So um, I, I just think the Sharks need to do a lot more of that. And uh, unfortunately that, that wasn't the case later on in the period. We'll get to that. Uh, but one of the big things that happened in this period also was uh, Carrier running into Devin Dubnik as Ryan Reeves, uh, knocks the puck in, right? So the goal gets called back because Carrier falls over Dubnik. At first they called it a goal and then they reviewed it and and it was a good challenge by Bob Bugner calling that goal back and everything. So, um, you know, it, it was just one of those kind of, for me, it was almost like a turning point, even though the Sharks weren't down at this point. Uh, it was kind of like that momentum getter. So, um, yeah, I don't know. how. Do, what did you see about that one? Because I have another note about this, but I think we, we have some conflicting thoughts on this player. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and just say what you want to say about this piece here? Well, I was going to say uh, what's sad is that goal that was originally called the goal. Two referees saw, was it Carrier on Dubnik's back <laughs> with uh, with the goal going in? Like, it's obviously, I don't, I don't know how you can get more textbook of goalie interference than that play itself. And they both called it a good goal. I think that's ridiculous. And thank, thank God there was uh, a coach's challenge allowed. Um, can you imagine if there was a coach's challenge earlier and they failed it and they didn't have one for this and that goal stands? That would be embarrassing for the NHL. So um, I'm glad it was called back. I think uh, I think a lot of Sharks fans were kind of um, great going, oh, here we go again, another coach's challenge, we're going to lose. And then they win the coach's challenge. Like, wow, 
we might actually win this game now. <laughs> Not to get ahead of ourselves, but you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, things are kind of changing. I feel like the same kind of um, spirit and and camaraderie and, and um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like with the Sharks teams themselves, I feel like their their confidence is getting up and kind of like, uh, I mean, we'll talk about these in a little bit, but the fights, you know, sticking up for their teammates, the 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 culture of the Sharks is starting to change and evolve into what it should be. So um, I think it's turning their game around and getting their confidence level up higher than it has been in a long time. So I think it's a good turning point kind of this season. Granted, it was a loss tonight. I still think that they played very well. Um, they controlled the game. And again, it's kind of simple mistakes. LeBanc's terrible penalty to take in the third period. Um, that was just a silly tripping penalty. I think you clean that stuff up and you're going to win more games than you're going to lose. So I think it's a good turning point for the Sharks tonight um, in in getting both those fights and um, kind of chippier, dirtier play, I feel like. What do you think? Yeah, no, uh, I mean, that's kind of what the, the notes that I've got for myself here too. And actually, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, but I do want to call out, I'm a shark for life here saying, I hate watching these videos after a loss, but I got to show you guys some love. So... <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that. And then Mr. Sandpaper follows up saying, uh, me too, but these are so sweet after a win. Yeah, hopefully we can get a couple more wins. We can get some uh, some sweet videos for you guys. Uh, but yeah, I know. Hey, man, it is what it is. Win, lose, or draw. We're going to be here uh, doing these shows after every mini series. So uh, if you're not subscribed, please do so and make sure that notification bell is checked. You guys will know when we're going live. All right. So um, the I want to go back to that one goal real fast, um, the one that got called back. Because I'm looking at uh, the goal and and the the penalty and everything that happened, and as I'm watching that, I'm seeing Handmark, and Handmark is skating up against Reeves with his stick held like a flagpole, uh, just up and down, and he's like shoving his shoulder, and I'm going, you know what? This wouldn't even be a callback if you had your stick on the ice and you were tying up the stick. It's not even like you had your stick there and you were poking at it. You're doing anything to try to get your stick on the puck or disrupt his stick. No, you had your stick all the way up in the air and you were trying to shove Ryan Reeves. Now, Handmark's a big guy, but Ryan Reeves is Ryan Reeves. You're probably not going to shove him around, right? So I, I don't know what he was thinking or if he was thinking, but to me, that was just like not at all impressive to watch uh, Handmark doing that. And then previously uh, in the, I think it was the first period, he was a little bit tired from his, I don't know, one minute shift that he had taken because he'd gone out there for a little bit longer, but I mean, he was out there just gliding around. There was a chance where he could have gotten off the ice and he just kind of glided. And it's like, if you were moving your feet, you'd be able to get off. So I don't know, for me, I know you're, you're going to say something a little bit later on about him, but for me, not very impressed with Handemark. I'm not sure that Coach Bob Boogner is going to be very impressed with him either. We'll see what happens uh, in the next uh, couple games here against St. Louis to see if he draws back into the lineup or if he kind of gets part of that revolving door. But um, for me, I, I just I wasn't very impressed with him. So uh, just kind of wanted to put that out there. We can bring that up later on uh, if you'd like. I'm going to go and talk about the third period real fast here. Uh, the Shalina <laughs> Goldman hella dudes penalty you uh, referenced earlier, uh, the too many men. Bob said that was the turning point in the postgame uh, tonight. He said that was the turning point. It was a horrible mistake by the team. You got two guys that are jumping off and they're standing right next to each other, right? So um, it, it just just not a good thing to be taking that kind of a penalty right now. And Stone scores immediately after that. So this team, the Vegas Golden Knights, they win a draw in their zone on the power play, and they immediately throw it at the net. Uh, it doesn't even have to be on the power play. They win the draw, they throw the puck at the net. And that's something that Brett Hedekin was saying the Sharks should take um, you know, a page out of their book. You know, Get the puck on the net and don't waste any time. Don't dust it off, pass it around a bunch of times. Test the goalie. Test the goalie right away. And the Vegas Golden Knights did that, and it paid off for them there. So uh, now you want to talk about the fights. I'm ready to jump right into that, too. Hurdle fights Stone, and I'm going, <laughs> somebody must have got drilled. I don't know what the case is. Uh, before we start talking about that, Lundy with the 299 in the Super Chat, nothing to say, just 299. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, maybe this is 299 for the Hurdle fight. I don't know, but um, it was Hurdle's first career fight, obviously, if you watch this thing. Uh, didn't really look like he knew what he was doing, but he was happy to do it. Um, basically, he was sticking up for his, uh, for Timo. Timo got blindsided, uh, smashed into the glass, uh, went down face first into the ice and was kind of laying there for a bit. Uh, he got pulled off of the bench for concussion protocol. So with him off the bench, hurdle fighting, you've got one of your top six players out and you've got your uh, second line center out, right? Um, and it was just kind of like, 
you know, I saw Curtis Gabriel uh, during the replay. Curtis Gabriel was just banging his stick on the ice in appreciation uh, for the fight because, you know, obviously Hurdle's not a fighter. So uh, he had a big smile on his face. He was, you know, kind of like pumped in jazz. And I guess that's one of those things that, you know, as a fighter, you're proud of the skill guys when they go out there and drop the gloves and kind of show that, like you're saying, the camaraderie, that brotherhood, right? Um, those guys are really gelling together. So um, not long after that, unfortunately, Haig scores a goal. Um, it was uh, three players stacked in front of Dubnik. He couldn't see anything. And EK65 turns himself into a pencil, and the puck sneaks by. Now, if you're going to stand in front of your goaltender, don't become a pencil. <laughs> like, unless he's able to see, block that shot or get out the way. That's kind of how I see it. So uh, I, I'd really like to see a better play from Eric Carlson on that one. But at the same time, everybody needs to get out of the, the goaltender's way unless you're going to block the shot. That's how I see it. So the other fight that happened, uh, Logan Couture fights Jonathan Marcheseau. Now Marcheseau apparently was following Kevin LeBanc around, um, asking him to for a fight. So Logan said, you know what, uh, I'm going to be – I'm going to be the captain here and I'm going to accept the fight. He, so he said, I went up and told him, you know what? I'm I'll fight you then. So uh, basically it was uh, Logan Couture's way of kind of sparing Kevin LeBanc having to drop the gloves there. So even though Logan's not exactly a fighter himself, being the captain, stepping up big time and protecting these other skill guys. I kind of wish though that our top centers would stop fighting in this game because uh, again, like Bob Booner said, at one point we're missing hurdle. We're missing Logan Couture and then Myers off the bench for protocol. So he's got to do lots of line matching, juggling and whatnot. And uh, that ended up really hurting us in the long run. It's great to stick up for your teammates, but um, they're just deeper team than we are. So when we start losing our best players, it hurts us a lot more than it hurts them unfortunately. Um, Aaron, anything else you wanted to say about the fights there? Uh, I just, I don't like Couture fighting just because he's had major concussion problems in his early career history. He's also um, a, uh, what do you call it? A, a, he has a whole foundation against uh, concussions and stuff. So it's kind of, kind of weird to see him in a fight and drop the gloves. Great for, yeah, sticking up for your teammate. Uh, Kevin LeBanc though, you should drop the gloves. Maybe you'll care a little bit more on the game and not take stupid penalties at the end of them. Um, yeah. I mean, hurdle fighting too. And someone, someone has said he's using his inner dad strength <laughs> for, uh, for fighting. I forgot where it was somewhere in there. Someone, someone wrote about it um, in our comments here. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think it's great that they're fighting, but it's also terrible that they're fighting and sitting for five minutes and both fights were in the third period correct so that's yeah. that's um maybe maybe in the second period fights not so much third period if you're gonna be the top one guy going on the fight uh i thought kane was gonna drop the, drop the mitts a little tonight too because he was kind of chirping a little bit after that but overall i think um the sharks grit man i mean to me i thought shimmick shimmick was throwing his body around tonight he was he was hitting somewhere to me, I was like, man, Vegas is probably taking note of his number and they're going to come after him. They never really did, but I thought for sure someone was going to drop the gloves on him because some of those hits were, uh, I don't want to say questionable, but they they were pretty hard. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone dropped the gloves or was pissed at him kind of thing. Uh, now, Marshall, so he really just, he ticks me off, man. He He's kind of a guy that can dish it and then not take it. You know what I mean? Like, he hits people and, and does these dirty plays. And when someone does it back to him, he's just not really, not really one to, to step up. Um, I thought like that whole sequence kind of where there's a big scrum, there's like whole line scrum for, for both sides, uh, right in the middle of the ice. Marsha shows in the middle of it. And was it with him and Timo at first? I think that's what started it. Um, and then, uh, and then one of his defenders came in and, and kind of pulled him off. So, um, I thought, like, come on, Marshall. So you're going to start something, and then you have your your big guy come in and finish it for you. That's just not that's not good. So I'm glad the Sharks kind of gave Vegas a taste of their own medicine tonight. I felt like uh, they were kind of on their heels for a lot of the game. I think they were in shock that they were down three to one. Um, it really sucks that they came back and scored and won in the third period. But again, the Sharks came back. I mean, they put four on Flurry. That's not easy to do, and a lot of teams have not been able to do that all season. So kudos to the Sharks for scoring four goals on them. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, Mario Ferraro. I thought Mario had a fantastic game tonight. Probably well, actually, the best night of his entire career. Before um, you, before you move on to Mario Ferraro, I do want to say something about what you were just talking about with taking the game, their game to them. Sure. Uh, because Mr. Sandpaper here has a comment saying the fact that DeBoer is comparing Reeves to Gabriel is a win for Gabriel. Apparently Pete DeBoer compared 
those two players. And that's exactly what you were just talking about was taking the game to them. So um, the fact that they're they're comparing the two. Now, you had said also taking the game to them in terms of like the fights and whatnot. Um, you know, we got our skill guys out there doing skill things, but then we got our skill guys out there standing up for each other and gelling as a team. Vegas Golden Knights team was built on a bunch of people that didn't know each other uh, from all walks of, of the NHL and then coming together and gelling as a team. So absolutely taking kind of a page out of that book and shoving it right back down their throat. Uh, one other thing here I wanted to call out, actually two things. Uh, one was, uh, <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna live on forever. Uh, Gamby, uh, does love a morning skate. I don't know if you, if you caught that meme or not, Aaron, but, uh, that's phenomenal. Thank you for bringing that one back up, uh, Kellen. And then, uh, Mr. Sandpaper, uh, let Kane take a year off from fights. He's earned it. Actually, Mr. Sandpaper, we talked about this last episode. Um, Evander Kane doesn't fight as much as we all think he does. He averages two fights a season for like 11 seasons. He doesn't fight that much. I, I was shocked. You know what it is? He takes penalties. That's what it is. He's in the box. It's just not as much for, for fighting as we all thought it was going to be. So I uh, just wanted to call those couple things out. And, oh, Lundy here. What a bad game to miss was helping sick friend. Uh, no, it wasn't a bad game to miss. This is a great game to miss. <laughs> it's one of the more disappointing games. But I do appreciate the $1.99, Lundy. Uh, wait, thank wait, you wait, wait. You think, you think tonight's game is a disappointing game? I do. I don't. I thought it was a very entertaining game. Granted, the Sharks did not win. I still thought yes. it was very entertaining. I thought the Sharks had chances and they could have scored. And it it gives me more hope after a game like this than yeah. any other game, really. Like, the last two games, yeah, they lost, but I thought they played well. I, yeah. I thought they looked good. And Vegas was not a clear and out winner in any, any point in both of these games. A hundred percent. And that's why I'm disappointed by it, to be honest with you, because it looked like we could have won those games. And it's not disappointing because I'm expecting a win. That's different. But what I'm saying is they were so close. Right. And especially in today's game, when you're up two goals at the end of the second period, going into the third, it's disappointing that it all falls apart. Now, again, for me, I had said even the last time we played Vegas, if we come out with a single point between two games, I'm happy. Right. Um, tonight, I really felt like we should have pulled away with two points. Not, I mean, in hindsight, it, it would have been, you know, it's, it's different now. But at the beginning of the series, I would have said, you know, a point would have been fine. After tonight's game, I mean, I really felt like we should have taken two points, and that's what's disappointing about it. How, not knowing the way that the game would have played or, uh, played out, if I were to say, oh, we're probably going to lose this game, I won't be too disappointed. But having seen the game, you have to go like, well, gosh, we had it in our in our in our hands. It was right there. So that's the disappointing part for me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to me, I'd rather see the Sharks play as well as they did tonight and lose than to watch them play crappy and sloppily and back their way into a shootout win. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not as satisfying. Yeah, it's not satisfying. They didn't get any points tonight. But to me, it's like they're going to build upon this for sure in the next week. I mean, they just came off of a three-game winning streak going into Vegas, almost beat them on Monday, almost beat them again today. Um, and put up, what was that, six goals against Flurry or five goals against Flurry in two games? There's not a lot of teams doing that right now. And someone just said it's the best, uh, probably the best team, was it, in the league? Um, Mr. Sandpaper, they almost beat one of the best teams in the NHL. Twice. Twice. You know what's going to happen? Teams are going to study that tape and see what the Sharks did so that they can beat them. They're kind of... Taken, I feel like they, they took their own game. Their own, they Sharks took Vegas's own game against them, uh, and it worked. And it, they got kind of rattled. I felt like they they seemed a little rattled to me. They seemed like, uh, oh wow, you know, we are we actually have to like play tonight. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. And then Anthony oh, said, Aaron Sharks were playing a game against a Vegas team without starters out of the lineup, and they found a way to lose the game, or with starters out of the lineup. Who, Vegas had starters out of the lineup? Yeah. Whatever. That's where your depth comes in. <laughs> they're a very um, deep team. What's that? Uh, they're a very deep team. Vegas has more depth than the Sharks do. Yeah, absolutely. No, and again, if you were to tell me the Sharks are going to lose to Vegas today at, at lunchtime, I'd be like, okay, I'm not, I wouldn't feel too disappointed about it. Having seen the way it played out, that's where the disappointment falls in. Uh, another area of disappointment uh, for me, 
some of Kevin LeBanc's plays, like I know he scored a goal tonight and he's actually been on a roll the last few nights, but he, the penalties like tonight, he had a penalty that was just, there's no reason to do what you did 150 okay. feet away from your net diving on the ice. You swat, you miss fine. Leave it alone right there. Right. Leave it alone. But no, he comes back again, whips the stick again. The guy's already more than a stick length away in terms of the puck, I should say. Feet were no stick length away because it chopped his leg out from underneath him and got a trip. And it's like, well, there you go. So um, I don't know. The, the, the penalty right afterwards. Um, and then Vegas gets another power play goal. And it's just, you know, it, the, the dominoes are falling now, right? Uh, it's just one thing after another that's happening in this period. I feel like the Sharks... When something goes bad, it, it starts to snowball. And if they don't get that under control right away, that snowball just tumbles down the hill. Um, I, I don't know if you feel the same way about it, but that's kind of how I see it. Especially, I don't know, I just I just noticed that out of LeBanc's play tonight, so I'm calling it out. There's other guys, obviously, we could be calling out as well, so maybe it's not fair to him. But for me, it was seeing his play and just kind of going, man, not again. Come on, man. Um, so... Anyway, Kevin LeBanc, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him. Uh, not necessarily scoring goals. I, I mean, the goal scoring is fine. I like that. No no problems here. But it's it's the other parts of the game that almost make him more of a liability even when he's scoring goals. So uh, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Kevin LeBanc, not from an offensive standpoint, but from the, the whole team play 200-foot game standpoint. And we've been saying this for seasons now, um, but and I don't know when it's going to happen necessarily, but – uh, things like that. You just can't do that 150 feet away from your own net. I just don't get it. But um, you've got a note here saying gritty game all around. Um, better games playing back to back. Go ahead and, and uh, explain that one to me there. Uh, just the schedule this year where the, where teams are playing two games against, you know, when there's no COVID problems, they're playing games back to back against the same team. Uh, right now the Sharks are going to, they're going into the Friday, Saturday tilts where they're, they're going to be playing literally back to back on back to back nights. You're going to see more scrappiness, I feel like, like we did tonight uh, with the Vegas Knights, where Sharks, they're going to lose their temper. They're going to, things are going to, you know, emotions are going to flare up. And you're going to see more, maybe not so much more fighting, but definitely more scrums and getting in people's faces. Um, one thing about that that big whole line scrum, when uh, Marshall So was getting in the face and then Burns came in and took down another guy, you see like your bodies are hitting the floor. And guess what? There were no penalties in that whole play. And I feel like that's what the Sharks were missing from the game for a long time. They were kind of scared to do that stuff to not get into penalty trouble. I'm, And I said it a couple of weeks ago, like, forget that. Like, just go for it. Because uh, most of the time that ends up, it's not going to be, you know, um, penalties. Or if it is, it might even be offsetting. So it's not a big deal. I like what they're doing. I like the look of them. I like that they're fighting. So my whole point about this, um, the game not being a disappointment for me tonight, I still feel like the Sharks are not going to be in the playoffs this year. It's not going to happen. Um, I think they're what they're really doing is building for next year. They're building up those young guys and getting them experience, showing them how to play, creating the culture. Now next year you're going to have one of these players is going to be gone because of the the uh, expansion draft, and it could be one of the big ticket, big name, big salary guys. Um, so I think it's it's more of a building block into next year, and I think this is a good start for a turning point into the culture. More of a culture. That, that's what was more exciting for me was was the change in the culture tonight and how that's going to look going forward. Um, so I, I'm excited for the future. I still think the Sharks are not going to do very well. And, uh, yeah, they are going to keep losing, which means they're going to get a higher draft pick, which there's some comments in here about that, you know. Like, again, it's a reset, not a, not a rebuild. A rebuild would be selling off every single person, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think a reset is going to be – um, losing a couple guys, um, at least one, you know, going to the expansion draft, freeing up some cap space, and then bringing in some free agents next year. Um, because of the expansion draft, there's going to be one less player on every single team. Um, think about how many free agents did not sign or don't have a team right now. Now they're all going to have a team. You're going to take probably 23 to 30 more players across the board in the free agent pool is now going to be on a team. Um, so you're going to see a little bit more kind of competition in signing some guys, even though the cap isn't really going up because uh, there's every team is going to be looking for somebody. So I think next year's team is going to look a lot better. Who knows? We might get a top five, top 10 prospect uh, in the draft, which we haven't had since I think Timo Meyer was number nine. Um, and before that was, 
I mean, the top three, the last time the Sharks were in the top three pick was Brad Stewart. What was that, 98? I think it was. Before Doug Wilson was even here. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's not, again, not so much a rebuild, but a retool. Kind of like what, uh, you know, Mr. Sandpaper. Rebuild, reset, tomato, tomato. There's a difference. I think there's a difference between a rebuild and a reset. Rebuild, look at um, look what Buffalo. Look, look what's happening in Buffalo. I don't know if you've been paying attention. They just fired their coach. They just had 12 straight losses, I believe. Um, and they have some high-end players that are in there. Also going to be hard to move. Not as hard as the Sharks, but still some hard stuff. So I, the Sharks could be worse. I mean, Buffalo's been in a rebuild for a decade now, as long as Jack Eichel has been there and even then before that. So uh, the Sharks can be in a worse situation, and thankfully they are not, which is why I don't think it's going to be a rebuild. I think it's going to be more of a reset. You there? I don't know. Paul's kind of cutting out right now. No, I, I was told that I, I'm. it's no good, so I thought I'd leave and come back, see if that helps. Yeah? Did it work? I don't know. You tell me, did it work? <laughs> I know you're not cutting up as much, so that's good. Hey, there you go. Okay. Well, uh, in any case, yeah, no, a, a reset is is the word that he used, right? Uh, and we've heard this before from Doug Wilson. He's not going to be a guy that does rebuilds. He's he's all about resetting. And uh, the one thing that, again, was the takeaway from the, the meeting that they had, the media meeting that they had with him, was that he's not going to be sending that first-round pick anywhere. So uh, this could be a very good pick in a year where uh, the Sharks could definitely use a, uh, a high draft pick. So, uh, you know, there's that. Also, I know there was a comment, I think, from Nicholas Egan saying, who cares about penalties uh, when you've got, uh, you're looking for draft position, <laughs> I think is what the comment was. Um, yeah, there you go. Who cares about penalties when you're going for a draft position? You know what? I still care about penalties. You know why? Because those players that are taking penalties are still going to be on the team beyond that. They need to learn how to not take penalties so that when we have the good players from the draft showing up, learning the game and playing that they can still contribute and not constantly take penalties. It's not just this season. You got to think about the future too, right? So uh, for me, Kevin LeBanc still just not getting it done from that standpoint, the 200 foot game. Um, I'd like to see more out of him. And I do think that there's a, uh, you know, some, some propensity to have a really good, uh, I guess, draft and really good trade deadline. Should the Sharks not be able to make it now? They're still talking like they're going to be hunting down St. Louis. And that's the next set of games that we have, actually. So these games are humongous in terms of trying to get back into the playoff push, which they are. As fans, maybe you guys aren't thinking that you want to do that. That's fine. But as the Sharks, they're always going to be pushing for a playoff spot. So right now, these games against St. Louis are huge to them in that regard. So these are not just two points. This is a four-point swing for each game, right? So on Saturday and on, uh, I'm sorry, Friday and Saturday, both at 6 p.m. because they're playing against St. Louis here. Um, there's, again, another back-to-back game. Now, the funny thing is we had Devin Dubnik, and then we got Devin Dubnik again, Vegas, uh, one day apart in between those games. Here the back-to-back, I'm expecting to see probably Martin Jones get the start on Friday and then Dubnik pick up on Saturday. I'm not sure. What do you what do you think about that, Aaron? Do you think uh, they're going to do – obviously, they're going to switch goaltenders, I think, but do you think one's going to get start over the other for the first game? Yeah, I think so. I think Jones. I think that sounds about right. Jones for Saturday or uh, Friday, and then Dubnik for Saturday, just to kind of give him a little extra rest since he did have some a good amount of work. I think tonight. Um, hopefully, he didn't even get hurt with was it Bellamere, whoever jumped on top of his back. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think we definitely see Jones, and I think that role is probably what it's going to be like going forward. Probably three games if there's a four games in a week, three games to Dubnik, one game to Jones. And I think that's fine. I think Jones, at this point in his career, is better suited as a backup. And I think he's a pretty good backup. He gives your team a chance to win most nights. So um, maybe that could be a trade chip going into uh, into the trade deadline. It's wishful thinking, right? Um, <laughs> so I, I think, uh, yeah, I think from this point on, Dubnik's going to be getting most of the starts unless he gets hurt or goes on the COVID list. And uh, maybe we even see Dubnik get moved, considering Minnesota's still holding part of his salary. So uh, he's a very cheap acquisition for a team that possibly needs a uh, 1B situation. And from what I was reading earlier, uh, Colorado might be in that situation because their main backup, Francois, uh, he's been out for a while, I think most of the season. So 
they don't really have a viable backup to uh, to Grubauer. Um, so maybe we see uh, Colorado pitch in and send a nice prospect and, and pick our way uh, towards the trade deadline. That would be my guess. That would be uh, phenomenal. Get uh, some more picks, stack them up, and uh, stock those cupboards. Uh, I do want to call out a couple comments here. Uh, Mr. Sandpaper, just run the show, Aaron. Uh, congratulations, Mr. Sandpaper. You're now my least favorite Connor uh, of the <laughs> night. <laughs> so uh, Then we've got uh, Anthony, Sansa, Anthony Sanchez saying trade Couture and build the team around Hurdle. We've also got uh, Ricky saying... Uh, Trey Couture and Hurdle and anyone else you can over 24 years old. And Anthony's saying Couture can bring the most value. Guys, you're all completely wrong, okay? <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'm not saying you're wrong that they won't bring the most value. They would. But uh, they do have contracts that have years left on them. There's no reason to trade these guys away. So uh, I, I don't see them uh, being traded out for, for any reason whatsoever, to be honest no. with you. So, Again, it's going to be a retool and not a rebuild. Yes. So the rebuild, they're going to be selling off those pieces. I don't exactly. see that happening. Exactly. Uh, oh, uh, and one more comment here. Mr. Sandpaper follows up with, sorry, Paul, you're great. Don't try to kiss it now, buddy. It's too late. It's too late. All right, Aaron, let's do roll call. Uh, Super producer Jason has a suggestion here. Who should Hurdle fight next? So give us your, yeah. uh, <laughs> give us, uh, what do you say? Where, where, where they're, they're watching us from? What do you have them say? Okay. Aaron, sorry, where you're watching us from and who should Hurdle fight next? Yes, let's okay, do it. Okay, good. There you go. Please, uh, please do that. And uh, it has to be a member of an opposing team. <laughs> Hurdle fights Couture in practice or something. Although, honestly, I do wonder if uh, Chris Gabriel, who was giving out fighting lessons in the middle of practices or after practices, I should say, if he's going to maybe uh, expand those classes just a little bit when you've got the captain and your second line center dropping the mitts. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, I want to take this comment from Dr. Hook. Do you like our roster? I know there's a lot of frustrating pieces, but how many more players do we need? How do you guys feel about Bob, Big Bob coaching? How would you grade his performance? Do I like our roster? I don't hate it, but there needs to be more depth. We need more. We need, like, a, I'd say a whole other line of forwards. That would be my, I'd be happy then. I think the defense is okay. I think uh, even the goalies aren't even that bad. To me, that just needs that we're kind of a two line team right now. We need that third line to be pretty solid depth, more depth guys, plus guys that could fill in for the top line. If uh, any of them get hurt or sick, what do you think, Paul? Uh, Yeah. So I'm kind of in that boat, but at the same time, I remember several times talking about the third and even tonight you were just talking about the fourth line looking solid. Right. So, um, I don't think that they have enough offensive punch. I think they're able to hold their own. And I think that they're getting chances specifically with Gambrell and and whoever's on Gambrell's line, at least earlier in the season, maybe midway through uh, so far, maybe in the last few games, not so much, but I would say that, you know, on the whole Gambrell's line has generated chances. Um, now whether that's, I have to take a look at the advanced stats and see if that's coming back the other way as well, but they've stood out. They've been noticeable. There've been times when Bob Booner started the game with the Gambrel line or started a period with the Gambrel line, or when somebody got, um, you know, something, something happened, a goal happened uh, against, and then he puts the Gambrel line out and this is, that's our energy line. Like, so he has a lot of trust in that line. Unfortunately, not a whole lot's been going right offensively in terms of the numbers for those lines, like you said, they've just been a two-line team for the most part. So I agree with you. I think that the Sharks do need to have maybe almost an entire extra line worth of players uh, that can actually do a little bit of damage, not like, you know, top-line guys, not like the Mark Stones of the world, right? We're talking about guys that are kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, You know, a a Tuck or a Nosek even. Nosek seems to be doing very well every time he plays the Sharks. I don't know if that's uh, just against the Sharks, or if this is an all-the-time kind of thing, but a guy like that, I could definitely see uh, helping the the Sharks roster, you know, immensely. So, I uh, know I, I think you're right. I think you're bang on. The Sharks right now are a two-line team. They've got some talent in the bottom six there, or the second six, I should say. Uh, but it's just not enough to really do damage uh, offensively, and and I think the Sharks could use a little bit of an extra scoring punch in that regard. Regarding the defense, I think you're 100 percent on that one. I like the defense. I think it's fine. Uh, they're gelling a little bit more. They're coming together a little bit more. Uh, Kinesia has been absolutely phenomenal for what his role is. Uh, and Mario Ferraro has been absolutely phenomenal for what beyond his role is. This guy is, again, 
it's not even slowly becoming. I think he is at this point like my favorite player on the team. He does everything the hard he does hard work. Uh, he's moving his legs all the time. He's the got the best personality of the, everybody on the team. He's always <laughs> jumping, uh, always happy, always ready to go. Love this kid. Uh, can't say enough about him. So um, yeah, I think uh, uh, on the defensive core, I'm more than happy with it. And a few tweaks to the forward group and even the goaltending, to be honest with you, you can stone me if you want, but I love Devin Dubnik and I'm with you, Aaron. I'm saying the same thing. I think Devin Dubnik's going to be the the guy going forward. Um, I think he's already kind of grabbed the, the reins here as the number one in San Jose. Martin Jones is kind of falling back a bit there. Uh, it's, it's a shame because he's the one that has the one year left on the contract. He's the one that's probably going to get traded at the trade deadline because they're probably not going to re-sign him to what he's worth and carry Jones for the next however many years. So you're probably seeing Devin Dubnik for the only time in Teal right now, which is a bummer because I think he's done a phenomenal job uh, between the pipes and the Sharks just haven't given him the goal support for whatever reason. So yeah, uh, that's kind of my back to, uh, You're talking about Gambrell. To me, Gambrell is a very good defensive forward. His defense is what kind of sticks out, and he's very responsible. His offense is just not there. And someone just said uh, – uh, where is it? He has he has the offensive punches a pylon. So, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, and Melker Carlson levels of finish. Gambrell's still young. I think he does have a scoring touch. It's just not quite there, and it'll probably come. But to me, Gambrell would be a fantastic fourth-line center on a very deep team. That's the difference right there. He's our third line center. Um, if he had that scoring punch and he could chip in in a normal in a normal 82 game season, if he could chip in 10 to 15 goals, that would be phenomenal. That's what I would look for in a in a third line center. That's a very defensive forward. Uh, anything like that, and and you're going to be on your your team's going to be much better. So um, I just don't think he's not. I don't think he's there yet, but I do think he's an NHL player, NHL caliber player, and NHL caliber center because of his defensive res- responsibility. Um, hopefully he can go back and find his offensive game in between this year and next year, which is why, again, I'm kind of hopeful and why this season's kind of a success in terms of developing players more. Um, I think he's one of those guys that next year is probably going to take that next step where his defensive game, his 200-foot game is there. Now it's just the offensive that needs to come back. Um, and again, all these all these players, even Curtis Gabriel, is probably a very good offensive guy growing up, right? They're all studs with the puck. And then when they get to the NHL level, they're they're playing different roles. So it's not that Gambrell can't score. He's probably going to – I think he's going to, you know, find his his scoring touch and come back. Um, there's another comment here from William Jablonski. Why don't the Sharks bring up Merkley? Nothing to lose at this point. Uh I don't think that's a good idea. I think there's a lot of people that are going to want to see Markley play at the NHL level, but I still think it's too soon. Uh, he's not ready, and it could hurt him developing. Um, think of it this way. At the AHL level, I'm not, I don't have the stats in front of me. He's probably over 20 minutes a night. That would be my guess. Power play, penalty kill, 20 minutes a night, leading the league or leading the team in, in, in ice time. If he's on the Sharks, he's going to be getting, what, eight minutes? maybe 10 minutes because you'll get a couple minutes of power play time and then very, very, very sheltered minutes other than that because he's going to get blown away. He's not ready for the NHL. So it's better for him to get more ice time and more situational things to develop uh, at the AHL level than at the NHL level because he's not going to get the ice time. What do you think, Paul? Well, I think that uh, I don't care about that, and I want to call out uh, Robert Spittler, who's uh, offered some uh, a Venmo tip. I don't know if I should say the amount, but he's offered a Venmo tip. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. And he says, because the show is better with both of you guys in studio. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Sharks 2022. Yes, we're all looking forward to next season, of course. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're, uh, we're here for you guys for the rest of this season, no matter which way it plays out. Hey. Who knows if uh, the Sharks come out with two wins in St. Louis here, we may have a very different tune uh, that we're talking about. Uh, but uh, realistically, yeah, I think you know we're looking like a team that's probably not going to be in the mix this season. And there's nothing wrong with that uh, at all. I think, uh, especially since we have our first round pick this time around, uh, it'd be nice to go ahead and get some some good young talent coming in, uh, some high school guy coming in, and uh, you know we'll just see how this whole thing plays out. But like I said. Uh, we'll be here for you guys regardless. Apparently, my internet is failing again, so I'm going to go ahead and try to wrap this thing up. Aaron, uh, why don't you go ahead and do the photo uh, at the very end so we can get on with this? 
All right, let's do it. Let's show this photo. This is uh, a picture that I found. I think it was from 1998. There's Paul with a dirty stash and some oh. <laughs> hair on his chin. And here's where I got into my uh, bleaching hair phase. This was, you know, the late 90s. So uh, it was very much in with the dark eyebrows and bleached hair. There you go. That's what Dude. killed my hair. That, that's it right there. Bleaching my, my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is quite the mustache. What was I doing? Why would I do that? Um, it's probably summertime, so you didn't have to shave because we had to shave when we were at school. I guess. I'm pretty sure that was uh, summertime. Wow. So, yeah, that's there's a good look of, I think, probably sophomore, maybe junior year of high school. Yeah. Sophomore year. So it's probably 97. Hey, uh, real, real quick, and not to distract from the photo, but in the comments here, we've got uh, an A and B gaming videos who is very clearly a Golden Knights fan. Uh, just want to let everybody in our chat know, uh, be nice to him. He's a simpleton. Uh, so just just be kind, okay? Um, all right, anyway, so anything else you want to say about the photo? Or are we done? Uh, yeah, Eminem. <laughs> Maximus is lit, says Eminem. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Oh my yes, yeah, the shape of Super Mario. I don't know. I look a little more, a little more on like the Hispanic side, I think, than Italian. I don't know. Well, you are Italian, so that well, makes sense. Sure, Paul looks like Pedro. Pedro. Yeah, see Pedro. There you go. Thanks, Lundy. I think. Anyway, okay, cool. Uh, let's go move on to the last little piece thing here. We want to promote these pride shirts, right? So Super Producer Jason uh, has the graphic up here so that I will be able to read it. There it is. Uh, it benefits Silicon Valley Pride. Uh, they are the Hockey is for Everyone t-shirts, limited edition. Sizes are small, medium, large, and extra large. You can get them for $10 shipping. Uh, actually, you can get them for $29.99. The shipping is just $10 should you choose to do that. You can, however, pick it up, and it's available at Solar for America Ice Pro Shop. There's a limited availability, and, and it's all in March of 2021 or until they're sold out, which I imagine they'll be sold out fairly quickly. Uh, again, $29.99, available at sjteamshop.com. AMB Gaming is heading there right now to pick one up. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to be just like him, or maybe you don't want to be just like him, but if you want to be like us, uh, which would be a good thing, right? Uh, go ahead and head over to sjteamshop.com and pick up one of those pride shirts, uh, help support Silicon Valley pride, great organization. Uh, again, hockey is for everyone. Uh, and we are just trying to help promote that. So there you go. Mr. Sandpaper saying, love this show. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Lenny saying you're welcome. Uh, ILD vote for Pedro. <laughs> okay, sure. Vote for Pedro. Phenomenal. Okay, great. Uh, Aaron, anything else you want to go ahead and say before we get out of here? Nope. Thanks all for uh, for still participating and watching, and uh, we really appreciate you all. Absolutely. And I apologize for uh, my internet apparently having a problem. Uh, hopefully that doesn't mess you guys up too much, and uh, you'll still want to come back and, and say hello. You're, just, you're uh, really throwing it back to 1997 with the dial-up speed here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's Wi-Fi. I don't know. Maybe I've got a problem that i got to look into. Regardless... Uh, wait, rumor players closed door meeting scheduled tomorrow in San Jose. Okay, that's a good rumor. We'll see how that goes. Who knows? Uh, regardless, uh, Sonic love you too. Yeah, uh, thank you, man. We appreciate that. Anyway, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys uh, Saturday night. Saturday night. Night suck. Bye, and being gaming. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.